This is the show with Cannon Brown. None of us jump in this deal to make money. Uh, if we do, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, we do it because of the work ethic. We do it because of the responsibility um, that it teaches these young people uh, and the opportunity that it creates. I mean, you can make out of it whatever you want to make out of it. Uh, but if you sit there and look at the the dollars won and the dollars lost, the dollars lost and the money that we spend on these experiences or opportunities it far exceeds what we make on this opportunity. That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy November 14th. You are tuned in to the show with Cannon Brown. Hi, I'm Cannon. Uh, what's up, guys? It feels like these, when I don't do two episodes a week, it feels like I never talk to you guys and you guys never hear me. Um, I do need to get back on those Monday episodes. I will get it done, I promise. Just a little info on this past week. I went skydiving, yes. I finally went skydiving. Um, don't ask me to explain it because I have no idea how to explain it. It was one of the most outrageous experiences of my life. Uh, and it's, wow, it was nuts. I only dry heaved twice <laughs> uh, when the guy pulled the chute. It's a powerful force. I mean, you're going really, really fast falling uh, just as fast as possible. And then they pull that chute and it, oh, it just knocks you down. And I, it upset my stomach a little bit. And I don't think the the tandem skydiver with me really appreciated me dry heaving. But nothing came out. So he still was like, yeah, good job. You kept it in. Uh, he let me steer a little bit. We were doing like whirly dervishes up there. If you don't know what a whirly dervish is, it's a little turn. Just made up that word, actually. I didn't. I really don't know where I heard that from, but I just said it, so I'm going to call it that now. Uh, it was a good time. I'm going to do it again. I've decided. Uh, might go bungee jumping soon. I th I'm on an adventure kick. That's what I'm on, guys, an adventure kick. Uh, and I'm really excited to just go do everything. I want to base jump, bungee jump, skydive again. I only have 24 more skydives until I can do it by myself. So, worth it, for sure. Well, guys, I've got um, an amazing guest for you guys today. Uh, this guy ha has been just a huge, powerful influence in the show industry uh, for a long time now, and the livestock judging industry for a long time now. His name is Brian Anderson. Uh, sometimes he goes as BA. If you don't know him, you're about to know him. And this is... This is as real as it gets right here. This is this is Brian Anderson right here. He lays it out on the table. He tells you about his experiences. I couldn't have asked more from this interview. Uh, I, I thought he did a terrific job, and I'm gonna, I need to have him on again uh, because there's still so much that we can talk about. Um, but, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. It took a little bit for us to uh, kind of get lined up. The service out in uh, Caney, Kansas is not great. And what a surprise that is, right, guys? Wow, if you told me that a, a city, a little town in Kansas had bad service, wow, you really tricked me. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But yeah, <laughs> that's the episode, guys. Brian Anderson, listen up, check it out, subscribe, like, share, at the show pod, um, leave a comment, leave a review, let me know what you think, and tell your friends, and follow. All right, that's enough of me talking. I talk way too much, guys. I'm so sorry. 
That's enough of me talking. Let's do it, Mr. Brian Anderson. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet. I wanted to uh, start it off just by kind of um, talking about National Convention. I know you just went there. Uh-huh. Um, you had a pretty successful horse judging team. Uh, we had an awesome group, yep. And I didn't, I guess I didn't even realize that you uh, knew anything about horse judging. <laughs> you don't have to know anything about it. <laughs> you just got to have good kids. Yeah, you're that's right. What, that's, that's what I had was a good group of kids. And uh, actually, it was, a pr- it was a pretty unique situation. We, uh, a year ago when we set on this venture, I had a gentleman um, who was very, very competent on that deal and uh, helped us a bunch by the name of Kevin Poole. And... Um, his daughter was on that team, and then I had three other girls that were very talented, lots of horse background. And um, anyway, Kevin Kevin used to coach the judging team, the horse judging team at Northeastern Oklahoma down in Oklahoma, so NEO and M. And um, he took that job again this past summer. So this summer he's been down there ever since, and not been able to come back and help us. So we didn't have the kind of help that we thought we would have to get that team ready. Uh, but at the same time, I was able to push those girls and say, okay, um, we're going to do reasons this day. We're going to do questions this day. We're going to do team activities this day. So it was a really unique combination that we were able to make that thing work. And uh, well, those girls had the right kind of work ethic, and that made a big difference. Was it a huge difference uh, than coaching a livestock judging team, or was it pretty much the same? You know, yes and no. Uh, it takes the same kind of discipline, the same kind of focus, and the same kind of work ethic, whether you're on a horse team, a livestock team, dairy team, whatever it might be. Um, knowledge and information is important, but those kids have to have the right kind of work ethic, the right kind of discipline, and then the right kind of mindset to make that thing happen. And I was fortunate that I had four young ladies that somewhat new work ethic i'm not going to say that all four understood what a a perfect work ethic was uh, but they had background they had knowledge they had information and and we worked hard um to supply the proper kind of information to them and um and then their ability to work together but that that was a two-day competition and i've coached livestock judging teams for 17 years of my life on the college level but never, ever have I had to have a team that for two days had their mindset right um, and, and all that. I mean, it, it was, from, a, from a mental toughness standpoint, I've never been through a competition as tough as what that one was. Uh, because they did judge for two days. And you know as well as I do, if you have a bad first day, it's real easy to take yourself out of the competition and say, I'm done. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we had a young lady that had a very, very, very tough first day. Uh, but she pulled it back together, and we had designated on day two kind of where those kids were going to be in terms of um, positions on the on the team activities. And she anted up and said, I want to still be the team leader. I'm going to tackle this thing and, and take it on uh, full bore. And she did, and, and just a sophomore in high school. Um, so, that, you know, from a mentality standpoint, that was the biggest thing I had to, to figure out was – those kids had to have their mind right for two days in a row. And I think day two is what helped us pull through that thing. That's so, nuts. I can't even think about having that mindset for two days in a row. No, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard enough to do it when you're um, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old to do it one day, let alone two days. 
and then have to go to bed that night thinking, man, I just had a terrible day. And now I got to pull it together and be right the next day. It's I guess tough. I, I haven't even, I didn't even know the logistics of the horse judging contest yep. at national hey, convention. Yep. Horse contest, livestock, a lot of those things, a lot of those contests are a two day event. And, and nor did I know that. I mean, for 17 years of college coaching, I never had a team. I never had to have a team right for two days in a row. Um, and, and this was the first time I've ever had to have a team right for two days and let alone young high school kids. And they're, so, and they're out of their comfort zone. They, they yeah. want to hang out with friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, national convention is a blast to, to be in a yep. mindset of competitiveness for two days. Yeah. That's a yep. hard thing to do. Yep. That's exactly right. And I, and it was a, you know, unique situation. And then to look at it and say, okay, we were only 33 points away from winning the whole thing. So it's one of those deals you're tickled uh, to be to be at the top end of that thing with that many state champion teams that were there. There were 47 teams. And to be the third overall team in the nation at that deal was absolutely incredible, especially with a, with a coach that didn't know anything about horses but just livestock. So, yeah, those girls did well. And I think you're, I mean, third overall with, with a livestock judging coach uh, coaching them, I think that's a – a real accomplishment and you know they're ready to go back into it or they're gonna yep. be able to coach a team for next year yeah exactly they're trying to get the next horse team ready but yet at the same time three of those four girls are trying to figure out how can they go back to nationals in what competition what contest can they go back to nationals in yeah. so it was it was an absolutely in, in um uh exciting and 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 thrilling time to do that with them so it was good good that's awesome that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, mm-hmm. I wanted to start it out like that. Cause I was seeing that on Facebook and I thought, wow, BA's a, <laughs> a horse judger now. I, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Oh, and the number of people that gave me grief <laughs> over that deal, uh, about not only being a hog judge, but then being a horse judge. And typically the two of those don't go hand in hand. Well, did you ever have so, to horse judge in uh Juco and senior college? Uh, you know, we did, we did, uh, but we only did halter. Yeah. Um, and when I was in junior college and also senior college at Fort Scott and K state, uh, we did do halter horses, but halter horses to find out are pretty easy. It's the performance classes that are the challenge. And then that's still the thing that I struggle with a little bit. I, I has, I struggle to catch a horse in his right lead or his left lead. Um, and those are things that you have to know. And I was fortunate and blessed to have a group of kids that, that understood that stuff. And that was second nature for them. So, but That's yeah, awesome. it's, it's a different nature. So, well, uh, Brian, I, I don't think you really need an introduction. I think people listening to this are going to know who you are. Um, but we're going to just run through your life anyway, cause that's kind yeah. of the format I use. You bet. But you're from, uh, Caney, Kansas. Yep. Yep. That's right. Uh, grew up on a kind of a purebred, uh, family farm. Uh, that yep. was started by your grandpa, am I correct? Yes, yes, exactly right. Claude Messner was my grandfather, and for years had a purebred Duroc operation here in southeast Kansas. And I think probably the most sows he ever ran was 120 head. Um, but for, for, for decades, was known as one of the top Duroc herds in the country. And uh, that's kind of where I got my livestock background, my upbringing. Uh, my family and, and all that stuff pushing me uh, and that deal. And that's what we did. That's what we loved. And, and that we were, we were fortunate to live on a, on a family operation um, that was able to feed four different um, households. 
And uh, so the purebred industry was good to us for a long time. My grandfather uh, actually formed or built the first ever on-farm test station. Um, and that was years ago, but, it, but back in the day when they'd have test stations across the country and, and have those hogs perform and test against each other, uh, my grandpa built an on-farm test station and did that right there on the farm instead of having to send them to test stations across the country. So he was able to gather information and data uh, long before we ever thought about EPDs and, and performance information and data, he was doing it there on the farm. So that's I was pretty, fortunate to have a pioneer. Yeah, it's pretty uh, revolutionary. Yep, yep, exactly right. And I, and if I knew half of what he knew growing up, then I, I figured I was a successful person and still don't know that I know half of what he knew. Uh, it was a different time. Yep, exactly right. And he's probably rolling over in his grave right now because <laughs> of the times and where we are in this industry right now. Yeah. Well, do you, so, we're going to get back to your story, but do you think we're in a bad place? I don't know that we're in a bad place. Uh, we're sure in a different place. Um, and it's a place that needs some evaluation. I, I do think I do think that our livestock industry, um, from a show standpoint, is that a place where we need to sure evaluate, reevaluate things? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much, how much real realism or how realistic our industry is. Um, I guess the thing that scares me, and I've always made this comment, um, we lose more people uh, a year in 4-H and FFA uh, than we do gain in 4-H and FFA, and, and I think we need to tackle that thing head on. Why are we losing? Uh, these folks and I think I think the bottom line is is just the cost yeah um, the cost to feed the cost to participate the cost to do it at a high level now don't get me wrong you can do it but nobody wants to jump in this thing and do it at a level says okay I, I don't mind being last in my class I think those are the ones that we're losing is those that, that are not experienced success um, and having success as they go through this deal um, you know, these young people work very, very hard at what they're doing. If they don't get some sense of accomplishment out of this deal, then I think eventually they look back and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Um, and n- none of us jump in this deal to make money. Uh, if we do, we're doing it for the wrong reason. Uh, we do it because of the work ethic. We do it because of the responsibility um, that it teaches these young people uh, and the opportunity that it creates. I mean, you can make out of it whatever you want to make out of it. Uh, but if you sit there and look at the the dollars won and the dollars lost, the dollars lost and the money that we spend on these experiences or opportunities that far exceeds what we make on this opportunity. Yeah. So. Yeah, everybody wants to be the top dog and they want to show yeah. at that elite level, but it's it's yep. hard for those families, those new families, to come in here and have a have a really good experience and actually get something out of it when there's so many people above them that are going yep. above and beyond every single year. And that's more power to the people that are going above and beyond. Yeah. But it's, it's a, it's a really complex situation. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of it is de- depends on how you look at it. Um, and I think everybody's goals are a little different. We all want to do the very best we can. Um, but success is defined from one person to another quite differently. Um, success may be, getting a top 10 ribbon to one family uh, where success to another family is if we don't win a class, then we weren't successful. So I, I think it depends on, on how each family um, that participates in this defines success. 
and what their goals are. Um, yeah. And they're, and they should all be different. Yeah. I think you're completely right. I mean, I was, I told you, I just had Ernest on the other day Yeah, yeah. and uh, we were talking and, and he was saying the families that he gets hogs for, I mean, one, one family wants to win the show. The other family would just be happy to get first or second in the class. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. all about finding those differences within those families. That's uh, right. And that's how he finds out where he, where to sell his hogs. But it, yep. it's another way to look at it is just how to raise involvement yep. in 4-H and FFA. Yeah. And it's such an odd, odd time of the year for us to take something. And I know the World Pork Expo and some of those dates are changing. Um, but it's hard for me to justify for my family to buy a pig that's going to go to the World Pork Expo when that's the only time I'm going to get a showing yeah. outside of a few jackpot shows and invest a lot of money in them. Uh, I've got no terminal endpoint as far as that goes. So we, we typically take lighter weight hogs up there. And, you know, if, if we finish in the top 10, then we look at that as a bonus yeah. and a positive and think, okay, going forward to wherever this pig's endpoint is, We've got a good shot because if we were in the top 10 at the World Pork Expo, then we've got a shot to be really good when we get to the local or or county level. I understand that completely. I was in the same boat. We didn't have any terminal shows after Expo. And Mm -hmm. if I I took something to Expo and I didn't get the gate, that was a win for me. Yeah, that's exactly right. I can can go back to Arizona and this will probably be a top top of the class hog right here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is so true. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's that's basically all people are hoping for is don't get the gate. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you got to be realistic when you go up there because yeah. um, the top end of those things and and the, and the work ethic that the top end of these kids show anymore is absolutely incredible. Um, the time span is is so uh, extraordinary, and then you know it used to be, and I was talking to somebody in Oklahoma about this the other day. There were two or three families that knew how to feed. And the rest of them were all playing catch-up or trying to emulate what those three families did. Now, there's hundreds of families that know how to feed these things. These, these hogs are, are fed better than they've ever been before. Um, they're in better hands, and the skin and hair is better than ever before. So, um, you know, I've always told my family, I said, we can never, ever be able to spend that kind of dollars that other people spend on their projects. But I said, the one thing we can hang our hat on is we can outwork them. We can spend more time in the barn. We can spend more time brushing those hogs and we can make sure that we try to feed them better. Um, and that used to hold true that you could make that happen. And now it's getting a little bit tougher mm-hmm. um, because everybody has gotten so good at all those different aspects. I mean, if you're not at the top of your bulky when you do this deal, um, it's going to be tough. So, I mean, those, those kids that, that are able to persevere through through all of those things and still end up in a top 10 at a national show, they did everything they could. It was just luck of a draw that day in terms of what that judge was looking for on some of that stuff. So, yeah. I mean, there's but, thousands of hogs being sold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's insane how many people are, are really, really into this right now, but yeah, we we only really care about the top end, though. I mean, we it's kind of it kind of sucks that we neglect the bottom end just a little yeah. bit, and that's what we were kind of talking about earlier. But you're you're dead on. We're losing that bottom third, yeah, every year. And and I wish there was a way uh, to really get to those families and understand that say, hey, 
Uh, even if you're in the bottom third of the World Pork Expo, you're still very successful in what you do because, um, you know, we need families, we need kids, we need young people continually to stay involved in this industry for what it has to offer. I mean, it is such a wonderful industry that offers so many things, but at the same time, uh, you can only lose so many times before that kid says, you know, there's got to be something else out there um, that I don't have to lose at. Yeah, that it can, can give better. me a better feeling than this. Yep, 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 yep. you're right. So, uh, and it's instant gratification. I mean, anymore, if they don't win instantly, they're not going to stay hooked very long. Yeah. So, yeah, that that sucks. I didn't even think we were going to talk about this, but that, that really yeah. does uh, kind of sad me a little bit. And I don't even think it's like expo low end that we have no. to think about. It's like, the counties yep. it's those yep. county kids that are just in like their ffa club that want a pig for 250 yep. bucks want to try to make a profit those yep. are the kids that were kind of screwing a little bit yeah and, and and in a roundabout way i mean i think we have probably emphasized way too often though those kids all see the kids at the top uh that get 20,000 30,000 40,000 at those major shows and, and that's awesome uh, but every kid, when they jump into the steel, says, hey, I'm going to go win my show, and I'm going to make $20,000. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of taken it, and, and there's so much in it anymore. I, I don't think that it necessarily matters about the dollars. I think those at the end of the day walk away and say, you know, I won that one. I was the very best one. It doesn't matter about the dollars. I got the banner that day. Um and 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 having worked at the American Royal for a few years, th there's folks in this industry, and uh, like it or not, that will do whatever they have to do to win, yep. even if it's not legal, uh, ethical, whatever it might be. And and I hate to say that because 99% of our industry does things the right way, but that one bad egg that does it just to win. They don't care whether they don't get their money, but they got the banner that day. So they were the very best that day. Um, that satisfies him. And to me, that doesn't satisfy me at all because that gives us a huge black eye as an industry in terms of we're not doing things the proper way. And even though 99% of our kids are doing it the right way, that 1% is the is the 1% that could potentially take this whole industry the wrong direction. I and, uh, would have to 100% agree with you. And uh -huh. <laughs> it really sucks that we have to have it in their hands uh, uh -huh. when, when the majority of us are doing it the right way, the majority right. of families are doing it the, the right. right way. I wanted to ask you, do you think the cost of livestock is ever going to go down or is it just going to keep rising? How? Especially not, not livestock in general. I'm talking about like show livestock, obviously. Right, right. Um, as long as these guys continue to... You know, the way we market things is so much different than what it ever was before. I, I don't see an end to the top end of that thing dropping. Um, but eventually everybody's going to say, well, I can't play that game no more. Uh, i got to find a different way to buy them. Um, and they'll, they'll do away with the online participation or, uh, or, the, or the premier marketers, whoever it is. Uh, and I applaud those guys. Those guys that... That sell them online and, and get the kind of money they get out of them and, and market their own, their, their own product. Uh, they do it because they've been successful. But how many families are going to continue to stay at that top end dollar? Uh, there's always new families jumping in. Uh, 
uh, don't get me wrong, they're going to they're going to jump in this deal and spend new dollars. Um, but yeah, where, where's the bottom? I mean, I, I know that my family we can't we can't buy the high dollar end hogs, but we yeah. can buy the skinny green litter mates. There you go. That have the same genetics and try to feed them a little bit harder. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I that's the part that frustrates me with our industry right now is everybody thinks that every pig they sell. Uh, they want to get the most money they can. And I understand that. I mean, that they, they are in a business and they got to do what they got to do to survive. How about getting good hogs into the hands of those families that know how to feed them? They're going to get them some advertisement, get them some photos. What's wrong with those deals? Yeah. Um, it's not always about me. I, I made a comment for years, and and the San Antonio Guilt Show is the best example of this. There is a lot of a lot of breeders and and a lot of people in the industry that want to get a thousand dollars out of that good purebred guilt to go to San Antonio. And then she goes there and that kid gets sifted. And yet the only kid that gets blamed for that deal or the only person that gets blamed for that deal is the kid. Um, maybe that breeder sold them an inferior hog that wasn't good enough. And yet who do they blame? They blame the kid for not doing a good, jo- good enough job to feed them. Um, I've often said that uh, San Antonio, instead of announcing our winners, We need to announce who bred the bottom half of those hogs and make them accountable for, for what they had into those things. Um, I I don't know. I, I, that's the thing I struggle with right now. And I'm, I'm at, I'm at a crossroads in this deal. I love this industry and I have a passion for it. Um, but my family and my, I, myself and my family are at the bottom third of that industry where we're almost been it being run out of this deal because we cannot afford to do um what it takes to be truly successful in this deal if that makes sense i don't i don't mean that in a negative light uh, but at the same time we're, we're very very close to not participating in this anymore because of the extreme cost that it takes to to be somewhat successful in this deal i'm gonna tell you right now brian There is a lot of people listening to this right now that are in the same boat with you. And I think that I was even in that boat when I was showing livestock and, um, and I thought that we were getting really good hogs and we spent some money on it, but not the, not the type of money that other people are spending on on a daily basis. Well, and they're not just spending it on the hog, but when you have to go out and and I know people got to make livings, um, but when you're hiring professional fitters or you're hiring somebody to sit in your barn and brush your hogs all day long, and then your kids just show up the day of the show to show the hogs, I think we've lost the real purpose and the real value uh, of what this whole industry is. And and I don't know, Kenan, when you and I first reached out and talked about this deal, I don't think we had any idea this was the direction that was going to go. It, I did uh, not. But at the same time, real is real. It needs to be talked about. Yeah, it has to be talked about and it has to be approached. And, and, and whether I get black eyes, cuss, whatever it might be, I don't care. That is what it is. Um, and, and I love, I love, I mean, some of my best friends in this industry uh, are families that are absolutely doing this at, at an incredibly high level. But at the same time, do we do it for those two, three, four, five families that are at the top end? And, and pay no regard to the 20 or 30 or 40 families that are down here in the bottom end that want their kids to be involved, but yet can't do it at a high enough level. I mean, um, it just, it just, I don't know. There's a, uh, there's I, a definite I, hi- hierarchy a little bit. 
Yeah. And it's yeah. it's not fully cemented, but there yeah. there is a hierarchy kind of forming and it's going to move. It's not like five families. Families are all always going to move in and out, but there's always going to be that four or five families that are up there. Yeah. At that national and, level in every species, obviously. Yeah. And nothing against those four or five families because I've watched those families and they bust their tail. And they work their asses off, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. But at the same time, they have got endless means, endless opportunities, endless ins and outs to whatever they want to get to, um, and, and their funds are available. Do we discount them because of that? From a, from a show judge standpoint, absolutely not. You can never do that because uh, then you get yourself in trouble. But, but it is, I wish there was a, a way to make this playing field just a little more level than what it is right now yeah and i hope it doesn't sound like we're coming off as like whiny or something like that yep yep but i i think this is a big topic because you i mean you spent some time at the american royal um so i'm i'm sure you saw a lot of this i'm sure you had to deal with a lot of this Mm -hmm. is that one of the reasons why you decided to leave and if you don't want to talk about it you don't have to but no, I don't think that. I mean, I, I will tell you that I was put in, in, in some pretty tough situations while at the American Royal, but at the same time, I was reaching a stage in my life where I needed to slow down. I needed an opportunity to be here to watch my kids because I'd spent the first um, 10, 12 years uh, of my kids' life being on the road, being gone, missing out on what they did uh, from a day-to-day uh, experience and all that stuff. Um, and, and I'm fortunate to have four kids, um, uh, oldest one being 20, uh, next one being 18, and I got 11-year-old, and I got a 3-year-old. So I've got them spread out. I missed a lot of time uh, with my two oldest boys growing up. Uh, and I, 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 t- I kind of told myself that I wasn't going to allow that to happen with the two girls who are younger uh, and wanted to get back here where I could slow down and spend more time and watch what they were doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, my experience at the Royal was awesome. I, I love that deal. I love the opportunity. Uh, but yet I was put in some tough situations because my, my, my goal, my, not my goal, but my job was to make sure that things were done right. And I, I, I'm fortunate to know a lot of people in this industry. And I ran across some folks that, uh, we had some tests go wrong. Uh, we found some issues that were wrong and I had to explain to those folks, I said, this this has nothing to do with our friendships. It is what it is in terms of what we found from a drug test standpoint uh, or what we found from a carcass evaluation standpoint. Th- those things, that was my job. I didn't mind that. My, my biggest issue with leaving the Royal um, was I-, I wanted to be home to watch my own kids grow and do things and do things with them for the most part. But I took that job. The reason I took that job with the American Royal is I wanted to make an impact I wanted to make a difference, and I wanted to make sure that we kept our show rings clean uh, of what, what was happening and how things were going uh, so that I could try to help sustain uh, that the next generation had the same opportunities that our, our generation does now because it scares me to death. If things continue like they are, um, what drug testing, whatever it might be, and we continue to find the things uh, in our animals that, that are not, that don't need to be there, that aren't ethical, uh, that aren't approved, uh, we won't have this opportunity for the next generation. And that scares me to death. Uh, if you want to say you can't afford it and you can't get into it, fine. Uh, but if you want to say you can't get into it because that industry is not there and not available, 
free to get into. That's a totally different deal. We did that to ourselves. And um, we, we fast have approached that uh, within our industry. I, I think a lot of people, and again, we talk about that 1% um, that don't do things the proper way that jeopardize the future of this industry. Uh, that, that's what we're getting at right there is that 1%. For the most part, 99% know how to do it and they know how to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, for someone like you to look back on it and say uh, we're headed in a, a – a bad direction is, is pretty powerful. I mean, you, you've got so much history in, in this industry. You went to Fort Scott community college to judge right, right out of high school, uh, judge at K state. Why don't you tell me about your judging experience a little bit? Yeah. I mean, that, that has led me to, to who I am today. And, and I've been doing it for a long time and, uh, started, I think when I was 23 years old and had the opportunity to judge at the Tulsa state fair and whether that was right or wrong, was I too young? Probably so. Um, you know, I thought coming out of the college, I was absolutely invincible. I look at these young kids now today coming out and they're so much more qualified, more talented than I ever thought about being. And, and yet I still tell them, don't do it too quick. Take your time. Let it come to you. Because um, even though we think we know it all and, and we've got the world conquered, there's so many things to learn. Um, I I was 23, 24 years old when I did Tulsa and, and uh, Which survived. Is insane. Yeah, absolutely insane. <laughs> and probably I would tell myself today is stupid to do it that young because I, I thought I knew it all. But man, I didn't know nothing. I, I I knew nothing compared to those people around the ring. But I think I survived it uh, because the doors continued to open and open and open going forward. But I think the biggest reason the doors opened for me was was I, I, I try to do things the right way. I don't care who's on the end of a stick. I don't care, um, uh, you know, what, what impact they have on the industry. If we don't do it right... Um, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. And, um, you know, and, and it took me a little while to totally get to where I didn't care who was in the ring. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way because you, you've got to know what's going on. Yeah, you know people. Industry. Yeah, you know. And if you're involved in it, you read magazines, you know what's going on. You know who's winning. You know who's, yep. whose family comes from what. Yep. Yep. But the my biggest advice that I would give somebody today jumping in the ring if you want to go far and you want to do things for a long time, bury your head and do it what you believe in. Uh, don't worry about making this friend and this friend and this friend happy. Because if you do that, you're going to make the other three friends pissed off. And I've got a lot of friends in this industry. More often than not, when I step in the ring, I, I probably know 50% of the families that are showing under me. But I hope that they appreciate that when I step in the ring... They're going to get an honest-to-God opinion, okay, that's the way it need to be that day. And for the most part, families will say, well, we knew that was what was wrong with our pig. Uh, we knew that's where we were going to end up. We're glad you called it out. And and from a from a parent perspective, um, I can never argue with a, a young person that's judging. Um, if they call my animal for what they are, and I know the good and I know the bad, but if they tell me that my pig wasn't good enough here and there, and that's what I agreed upon, how can you argue with where they put you? Yeah, uh, we're all going to prioritize a little different. Um, but 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 I think that's good. I mean, I, I I'm glad that people have different opinions. I never want my kids to win because they're my kids, and I never I never want to beat somebody or have somebody beat me because they're my kids. 
Uh, I just want a fair and honest opinion, not of my kid, but of their animal. And I think that's the best thing we can do in this industry is friends are going to be friends regardless of what happens. Uh, but let's give a fair and honest evaluation of the animal, not of the family that's showing the animals. Now, that's a good so. point because I feel like in the past like five to seven years, there's been a mm -hmm. huge just influx of people saying, oh, well, that judge knows that family. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they got placed – from your experience, from your eye, I mean, you're in the you're in the ring a bunch. Uh, you've judged in 33 different states. You've had a long history of this. From your eye, how much does that actually happen? How much does actually like the politics get involved in in placing livestock? There's a lot of people that want to believe that's the only reason they got beat was politics. Um, being able to to um, admit the truth and understand that hey, we were we just weren't good enough that day. Um, is a tough pill to swallow yeah. for a lot of these families. Um, I will tell you that again, uh, I, I firmly believe that that ninety nine percent of the judges that step in there and do it do it for the right reason. Um, they do it because that's what they believe in, and we as an industry have got to learn to appreciate that. At the same time, I think judges have got to make sure they get to the point where they deserve. Um, that recognition on that deal too, that I got here because I busted my tail. I paid my dues. I did what I had to do, not because I knew who I knew. So I think for the most part, uh, the judges at the top end of these shows, uh, that are doing a majority of them are doing it for the right reason. Yeah. Um, and it just so happens that the families that are very, very involved in this deal are also some of the families who are driving the very best hope. I mean, those two things go hand in hand because they are, directly involved and, and very, very influential, um, they also know a good one from a bad one, and they're not going to drive a bad one because it costs the same to feed that good one as it does that bad one. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I'd like to sit here and say it was easy. Uh, yeah, the, that person that won that show did it because they knew everybody. That's not the case. They had the best hope for the most part. So I think the biggest thing is getting everybody to swallow their pride and say, you know, we just weren't good enough that day. That, I that, think you're that completely right. Challenge. Yep, that is a challenge. And, and we all want to think the one in our barn is the very best one. Uh, and I've been guilty of this before. I thought I had a barn burner. But, man, when I got him out and compared him to everybody else's, man, I stood exactly where I had to stand. And my kids get so frustrated at me. They say, well, what do you think of that one in second? Or what do you think of that one in third? And my response, more often than not, said, guys, I don't know. I said, the only one I could look at was ours. And we weren't good enough here. We weren't good enough there. And that judge called us exactly what we were. I mean, I thought I had a killer uh, going to my state fair this year. And we stand second to the grand in class. And that, that uh, I mean, Mike McCoy judged that show. And how can you argue when you stand second in class and he calls you exactly what you knew was already wrong with your home? Yeah. So how, how are you going to argue that situation? And Mike and I are good friends. And I thought, you know, I, I've got a good shot at being good and being competitive in this day. And we were competitive, but we got beat by a better one that day. And uh, being 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 able to admit that at the end of the day, I think, is a big win for all families. Um, know, your, know your pros, know your cons, but also be able to say, you know what? We had a good one, but we weren't good enough that day. And I think that's the biggest challenge is I don't think enough people are willing to swallow their pride and say, okay, well, we did exactly where we needed to be. Um, let's settle for it, and let's try to get a better one next time. 
So well, and the important thing that you did was uh, your sons asked you, "Well, did you see the one in third? Like, was they yeah. or the one in first? Was it really that yeah. good?" And you nope. said, "No, nah, like I was looking at ours. The judge yep. said it. We're not even going to think about those yep. other ones. You don't want to put any yep. ideas in their mind to challenge the judge in any way. That's no. the right mindset to put your kids in." You're exactly right, and and especially the jackpot show because the only one I can control and how they're going to get better is my own animal. Um, so, you know, when we go to a jackpot show and we stand fifth or we stand sixth in class and they say, okay, well, he's just too green. He doesn't have enough muscle. He doesn't have enough shape. Uh, I'll walk out and say, you know what? He nailed it. He was exactly right. We're not ready to be jackpot in that hole yet. That one needs to stay home and getting those kids. And I've, I've never, I'm, when I step in the show, I've never chatted with a kid that was so upset and so frustrated with me, but yet the parent on the outside of the ring is the one that's frustrated and upset. Uh, the kids typically says, yep, we agree. We agree. Not yeah. good enough. Uh, but it's the parent on the outside that typically causes um, things to go the wrong way. Do you so. think that part is one of the parts that's kind of diminishing our membership as well? Just the, the crazy parents that are coming around? <laughs> the, yeah, I won't, I won't call them crazy, but <laughs> I, I do think we have a, a lot of folks. Passionate. Of, I should say passionate. Yeah, pa- passion's a better word. We have a lot of passionate parents that want their kids to do well. And, and I'm not going to blame them. I want my kids to do well. Uh, at the same time, living what they never could do through their kids is probably the wrong way to do it. Um, let those kids experience it. Let those kids have fun um, and, and let them realize that, you know, it's okay if you were second or third that day and simply got beat by a better one. What, what's wrong with that? Um, yeah, I, th- I think too many times, and I and I like competitiveness, don't get me wrong, because that was the one thing that, that frustrated me at my at my national horse contests uh, here a while back is is the number of teams and the number of coaches that didn't take it and what I thought was a competitive nature. Uh, I hate the I hate the fact that every kid gets a trophy. I, I don't like that. I, this this no kid left behind I think has been the the worst thing we could ever do because uh, we pat those kids on the back for something they didn't accomplish. Um, and yet we're not making progress. And I, I, I see that today, um, being a high school teacher, the number of kids that can't read and can't write because we didn't want to leave them behind. We wanted to keep them moving forward. We're not doing that kid justice. Uh, let's make that kid earn it. Um, and I think that kid wants you to make them earn it. That Let's don't give anything to anybody, whether it's in school, whether it's in the show ring or wherever it is. Let's make those kids earn it. And then when they do earn it and they do well, they're going to feel a sense of accomplishment that way too. Well, I think that comes with your nature too. I mean, you, you, uh, you coached for 17 yeah. years for junior college. Uh, yep. so you, you were around some, some winners and some losers yep. quite a bit. And it, and you had to kind of push young, young adults, uh, yep. into <laughs> figuring out how to kind of work those i mean i know when i was in junior college i just wanted to win everything and when i didn't i was really pissed off and i didn't win (laughs) i didn't i really didn't win that much so i was pissed a lot of the time (laughs) and usually you were pissed at your coach because you didn't feel like they geared you up the proper direction and uh man i know it i mean i i I, it's a it's a bad feeling when you've got a great group of kids that have put in all the time in the world and they didn't accomplish what they wanted to accomplish that day uh, that's a hard pill to swallow. So as a coach, I always went back and said, 
what can I do better? How can I challenge these kids? But I always at the end of the day, let them know, says, even if you didn't win, doesn't mean you, you weren't a winner. Um, even if you lost, I mean, there's things to gain out of that deal. I learned more from losing than I ever did winning, um, growing up. And, and I tried to instill that in my own kids today. Um, if I didn't win, why, why didn't I win? Did I give 110%? Chances are probably not. Did I do everything that I could control to make sure that day happened the way it was supposed to happen? And chances are probably not. Um, and, and I've been guilty of that. I tried to do too much for my own kids. Uh, and even when they were judging, I tried to do too much for those other, to, to, for my own judging kids. That maybe I sheltered them too much. Um, that, that good cop, bad cop mentality. Um, I, I don't ever want to piss a kid off. But, man, if that's what makes them better, sometimes you got to do that just to challenge them a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think you're completely right. I think I think a, my two of my coaches tried to challenge me a couple of times and I just didn't take it as well mm-hmm. as they thought I was going to take it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that's uh, real easy to do. Uh, but tell, I mean, you obviously loved coaching. You did it for 17 years. You were at Coffeeville, yeah. then you moved to Fort Scott, then you went back to Coffeeville. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine, uh, doing something for 17 years and especially being on the road. I mean, as you said, you were on the yeah. road a lot when your when your boys were growing up. That kind of had to attribute to some of it. That's that's yeah. a lot of road time. Not a lot of road time, but at the same time, uh, easily the best years of my life. I mean, uh, outside of what my wife and my family uh, have been through and did, I mean, the best years of my life was spending that with other folks' kids. Uh, my my boys spent their early years on the van, and and uh, I remember Andrew um, hauling on the van. His first word uh, that I can remember him speaking was Duroc. Because oh, nice. the, judge, the judging kids taught him the word Duroc on a van. So you can imagine a year and a half, two years old, riding on a college van. And I'm sure if they knew that today, they'd fired me on the spot <laughs> uh, for, for, for hauling a toddler on the van. And then and then the second word that he, that he learned his favorite breed of sheep was a dead sheep. Uh, those, those judging kids a taught him that sheep. the only breed of sheep was a dead sheep. So, <laughs> you know, those, those kids learned a lot. But at the same time... Um, when, when my kid's going through the successes he is now and my next one's following up and having the same kind of success and to have some of those same people uh, be reasons takers at some of these contests and said, man, your kid did awesome. He did this and that. And, and, I, and I asked Andrew, I said, did you know who that was? Nope. I said, well, do you remember so-and-so? Yeah, I remember him. That's who that was. So, you know, to, to, to have students that are still involved in the industry and to watch them grow and, and to, to pay it forward and pay it back to, to the next generation is awesome. I would not have raised my kids anywhere else than with those judging kids that I had growing up and, and the very best people, uh, very best friends that I have in this, in this society today uh, are my former students that were involved in what we did. Well, that even looks better on you. Yeah. <laughs> that they're yeah. that they're so uh prolific in this industry i mean yeah. you, you did yeah. such a good job kind of mentoring in them and shaping them with for this industry that mm-hmm. they're they're only doing good things now mm-hmm. that's exactly right and i and i made a comment i had a chance to talk at the american royal the other day because uh, uh my 20-year team there at fort scott had won the royal and we honored those students there and, and uh um, kids choose where they're going to go to college because of the people that are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a hard time 
convincing my administration that they didn't come here because the grass was green, uh, the sidewalks were clean, the fountains looked pretty. They came there because of the person that recruited them. Um, and they trusted that person. Those families, parents trusted me to watch their kids for two years. And I felt like that was my obligation. If I didn't take care of that kid or something went wrong, it wasn't their fault. It was my fault because I didn't do things the proper way. So I took that seriously. It took me a, a long time to figure that out. And um, I felt like, okay, I just got to get the best kids and then everything's going to happen. Well, that's not that's not true. Uh, get good kids and, and, and build them up and mold them in the proper direction uh, and good things will happen. But I got those kids to trust and buy in. And I had great kids, and, and we didn't win as many contests as some teams did, uh, but I had great kids. It, and it was because simply because uh, maybe I didn't push them hard enough for simple things like that, that they didn't win more. But I guarantee you, in life, they were guaranteed winners. So now, do you it ever, all depends on how you look at it. Do you ever look back on certain teams and wish you did something different as a coach? Yeah. yeah. Um, man, I, I, tried, I tried to love every one of those kids. And I wish I would have loved them a little tougher, if that makes sense. I tried to be a kind love, yeah. and I wish that I wish I would experience a little tougher love with some of them. And I felt like maybe I softened them up or, or didn't work them hard enough. They put in a lot of hours and a lot of time they didn't deserve to end up where they did. I wished I would have been just a little tougher on them at times instead of uh, trying to empathize with them as much as I did. But at the same time. Uh, that's who I was because I, I, I never wanted a kid to feel like it was their fault that something didn't happen the right way. So, Do you, do you think that's the fix, though, for a team that's kind of being stagnant? Do you think tough love is the best thing just to get their mindset a little different? Yeah, and I, and I you know, I tell my kids this, and I had a chance. Uh, Andrew's a sophomore at Northern Oklahoma College, and, and, and I tell those kids not, not everybody's going to win a contest. And uh, I think Blake Bloomberg kind of described at one time that uh, know your goal and know your role. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. If you're the best talker on the team, then that's your job is to be the best talker. If you're the best placer on the team, then that's your job. If you're not, then don't try to be somebody you're not. Know your role and know your goal. I don't care whether you're involved in FFA, uh, whether you're on a collegiate livestock judging team, or whether you're on a high school basketball team. If you can't shoot the ball, then how in the world are you going to score 20 points a night? Uh, but if you're the best defender, go out there and, and, and cause three charges and get eight steals, and then you did your job. And, um, and I think that's the same thing in everything we do. Know your role and know your goal. And if you do those two things as a team, everybody knows where they fit and what, they're, what, what is expected out of them, then everything's going to be fine. But don't be somebody that you're not. Don't try to uh, uh, to do something you can't. I said, if, if, if you can accomplish what you're supposed to do, um, and I've never seen a team win that had the high individual, and then the next three kids were 29th, 30th, and 31st. But I've seen a lot of teams win that were 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th high individuals. Uh, if everybody's consistent, everybody's close, and you do it as a team effort, uh, the thing about livestock judging is one person doesn't win it for you. But if you've got five, 
then you're going to win every contest you go to. Yeah. And um, team activity, team sports and all that stuff. I, I hate individual activities and individual sports, but I love team sports because it teaches every one of them that, that they need everybody to jump on the same boat that day and be, be accountable for what they've got to accomplish. Well, that's the hardest part is finding those five individuals that will go out there and kill it. <laughs> yep. Yep. They all want to be the Michael Jordan. Yep. They all want to be the, the MVP of the league. And, and I, I, you know, I applaud those kids for wanting to be the MVP. Uh, but how about having um, five of those guys uh, that are what we call the sixth man award? Uh, if you've got five of those guys that are willing to, to, uh, to, to settle for whatever they got to settle for that day, then they're going to accomplish a lot more. That's a good way to look at it. I guess I've never looked at that that way. But there's some really good teams that have come out just doing that same thing. Yeah, team activity, team roles, know what you got to accomplish. And if everybody works together, I mean, if you watch the NCAA tournament at the end of every March, those uh, those small schools that have got those senior-laden ball clubs that know how to work together because they've played together for four years, those teams will walk. Those teams will knock off that number one team uh, more often than not because they know how to play together. So, yeah. build off of each other and play off of each other's strengths, and you'll accomplish a lot more. Well, what made you, uh, if you enjoyed it so much, what made you move to Sunglow? It was time for a change. You were um, doing it for seventeen years, and you thought, yeah. oh, "I better do something different now." What, what am I missing? What yeah. am I missing? And and. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that there was one certain thing. I, I would tell you that my lifelong goal growing up, um, a young kid on the farm, I wanted to be a field rep for the National Swine Registry. And that didn't come right away. I took that job with Sunglow, and, and then uh, when Sunglow got bought out, I felt like, okay, I'm a, I'm a little fish in a big market. I was afraid we were going to get swallowed up. Um didn't have to leave Sunglow, but I thought, man, if I don't leave now, I may not have a job because I was just scared in terms of the direction they were going to go. And that job with the National Swine Registry opened up, and that was a lifelong goal. As a matter of fact, I was I was established or set to be a, a field rep right out of college uh, with the for for the Durock Swine Registry, and then the Durock Hams, Flandres, and Yorks merged. And at that time, they didn't need as many field reps. So I was kind of left in terms of where do I go now? What do I do? I took a job with a, a small feed company not far from home here. And then um, that that was okay. But I was a young buck in a, in a big in a big fish uh, or a lot of, you know, big waters. And I, I was sitting there at a guy's place one day and, and times were tough. I mean, those guys were going bankrupt. It was not a good time. And a guy was flat out honest with me, and I didn't have an answer for him. He says, I understand everything you're saying, but he says, I've been in this thing for 40 years. And he says, I'm fixing on going bankrupt. He says, what do you have to offer me that's going to keep me from going bankrupt? And I said, man, I don't know that I got anything. He said, well, I appreciate your time, but he says, you probably better keep on moving. And then I found myself sitting at the zoo one day uh, watching the monkeys at the zoo when I should have been out on the road uh, hitting people up. And then the next day I get a phone call and say, hey, uh, there's a job coaching a livestock judging team available. Do you want it? And I said, absolutely. 
I said, I got to get out of this deal because that other one, I was, I was not very old, but that other one was not taking me right down the right path. And I needed to find something different to do. So I was fortunate that came along and always had that dream of being the field rep, the sunglow job come along. And I absolutely enjoyed that. I love making a difference and, and working with the people in my territory. Um, I don't know why I think it was just, uh, I needed more gratification for myself. Um, had did that long enough. That recruiting deal is a tough deal. Yeah. Getting those kids to come. And it was just time for me to make a change. And, and I loved all those deals. And American Royal came along with that job. And I thought, okay, that gets me closer back to home. And I honestly, and I did not think I would ever get to this point, Cannon. But my last show uh, with the National Swine Registry was in Perry, Georgia. Uh, and I was one of those that if you ever watched me around the show ring at an NSR event, um, that thing had to be organized and oh, it yeah. had to be detailed. And if they weren't in the right pen, then it was my fault. And I got that grand drive lined up at Perry, Georgia and, uh, got them all in their places. And I walked out of the barn and I went out and I sat on the fender of a trailer while that grand drive was going on. And I had never, ever been like that before but i had i had totally burnt myself out um going full bore so hard so passionate for other people that i wasn't doing anything for myself um and that wasn't like me to not watch a pig show because i wanted to see how the outcome was i wanted to see you know who won or whatever i walked out of that deal at perry georgia and i sat on the side of that trailer and i said what's wrong with me um, if I can't sit there and watch this grand drive, maybe I need a change. Uh, and it was just a matter of a month or two, the American Royal called and said, Hey, are you interested? And I said, I think it's time. Uh, and I don't know that I can still go back today and I never dreamt that I'd be this way. Uh, but it changed me a lot. Um, I, I still can't watch a whole pig show, um, because I can't control it. Now, the guy in the middle of the ring is the one that's doing what he needs to do. He knows what he's doing. Um, I still struggle today to go watch a whole pig show because I watched so many of them for so long. Um, and, and if you know me industry wise or not, I mean, I, I, I lived and died on the fence of a show ring, uh, but I'd watched enough pig shows. It was time for me to accomplish something different. So well, I think that's, that was hard to swallow. That was really hard to swallow. I think that's incredible that you had you actually took time to sit down and reflect about it though. I mean, that's hard for people yeah. to even think about changing jobs, especially one yeah. that you've wanted since yeah. you were oh. a kid. Yep. Only job I ever wanted. I mean, the and expectation is so high. That. I wish that it did that when I was uh, 23, 24 years old. Yeah. Um, I'd have probably did that for 10 or 15 years, but I did that when I was, um, Oh, I'm going to say 40, 42, 43 years of age yeah. and, and had to sit there and think about my wife, uh, raising my kids at home by herself while I was in Perry, Georgia, getting to do what I loved and enjoyed, but were they doing what they loved and enjoyed? Um, so I was pretty selfish. I, I've had a good life. I've got no gripes about where I am today. Uh, but there's a lot of people that had to sacrifice for me to do what I enjoyed. And uh, it took me a long time to grow up and finally understand that. Um, but you know, at least I guess I did. Um, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for those that allowed me the chance to do, 
what I've did so far in life and, and uh, hopefully can do for the next 40 or 50 years. Well, I, I want to tell you that I, I grew up with you uh, working the rings yep. at Expo. Uh, oh, yeah. And when I was on the junior board, <coughs> my last year, we were at um, uh, Summer Spectacular. Yep. And Kaylee put me in charge of a ring. I was the lead guy in the <laughs> ring. And I'm telling you right now, Brian, I went into that ring and I looked at everybody and I just said to myself, all right, I got to run this like BA would or else, it, yep. or else it's not going to go right. So I just, the whole day, I was just like, all right, what would BA do in here? And I just ran it like that. And I, hey, I think I did a pretty good job, yep. but that's not the point. I just wanted to say, I mean, you were a huge influence on so many people that walked through that ring. You were such a powerful figure. Everyone yep. thought that you were the judge most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Those little I, I kids got, would come in and think that you were the judge. Yeah. Eyeball me for a long time. Yeah. I finally at the point, no, that, that young guy right over there in the middle of the ring, that's who's judging you today. So, I always thought that was hilarious yeah. when those little kids yeah. would come in and they thought that you were the judge. You're like, nope, look look at that yep. guy behind you. Yeah. Not today, maybe next time. <laughs> Not today, maybe next time. Yep. No, but that, so, I mean, it's a lot of travel. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a bunch of work and, and you're moving around all the time is, yep. is from what I hear at least. Yep. On the go. And, and, uh, I like this new ag teaching gig though. And, and I hope it's something I can do for a long time. Never dreamt that I would teach high school kids. Um, but I absolutely love those that have a passion and want to do it and, and, uh, get better each and every day. Well, let's, let's end it on, uh, high yep. school, high school ag. So let me, I, I mean, there's a shortage of them, so thank you so much for yep. for yep. for picking up a role. Um, yep. You never thought you would do it. What? Tell me how you how you like it. I mean, I'm I assume you're loving it. Yeah, I do. I absolutely. Do. I was talking to my to my brother tonight, and uh, he's a city manager in Texas, and and I said one day you need to think about doing this, and he goes, Why would I do that? I said because of. Uh, the gratification. I said, watching a kid that didn't grow up on a farm um, and and take them through livestock judging, dairy judging, horse judging, whatever it might be, and them deciding, man, this is kind of fun. Uh, to watch them develop a side of themselves that they never thought they could develop. Um, to be able to give a set of reasons when at the first of the year, they wouldn't even stand up in class and, and tell you their name. Um, you know, little things like that. Um, it, it's fun. The good kids are good. The bad kids, you know, I don't know that you'll ever get them to do it because they just weren't cut out to do it. Yeah. But watching that kid that's middle tier has the potential, but letting them find that potential and push themselves and get better. I mean, that, that's the fun part, taking a kid that never, ever, ever dreamt that they could do something like that and then have them accomplish that deal. Um, you know, I, we qualified with that horse team with a senior, junior, sophomore, and a freshman. And did we think we could win state? No. Did we think we could be competitive? Yeah. Did we think we could be in the top three teams in the nation? Probably not. But at the same time, their work ethic and letting them know that you can do whatever you want to. I mean, I gave them, those kids got sick and tired of my quotes. And uh, my quotes was, can't, never could, um, put the oil where the squeak is. 
and keep on keeping on. I kept. I saw you know, that I on kept, your Facebook. I yeah, like that I kept. I kept drilling those things into them. That if it is to be, it's up to me. Um, just little things like that, getting them to positively uh, think about themselves, and uh, you know that that's fun to watch a kid that maybe doesn't have confidence in themselves and let them develop that deal. I mean, I I have more fun getting into their heads. And and it's it's a mental ball game, um, uh, and getting them to believe in themselves. Those are the things that I truly enjoy. Uh, is getting inside there and kind of helping that kid believe in themselves and understand they can accomplish whatever they want to. So yeah. it's all up to them. Well, I mean, you've had a long history of shaping youth's minds, yeah. Uh, and I yep. think uh, it's a it's a right fit for you. I think I'm going to take your route. I think I'm going to work in the industry for a little bit because I <laughs> yep. do, I do want to be an act teacher. I've always yeah. wanted to be an act. My two act teachers in high school yep. uh, were two of the biggest mentors to me in my life. So I would like to give back, but yep. gosh, I just don't think they make enough money <laughs> to be you honest with you. I, and my wife tells me, yeah, I need to make money, but at the same time, um, being happy in what you do. If you wake up and you enjoy what you do every day of your life, you'll never go wrong. Um, I've known lots of people that had really, really good paying jobs. And the next thing you knew, they were quitting. They were driving themselves crazy. They were at a psychologist, whatever, whatever it might be. I mean, another saying that I always live by is you got to like what you do uh, before you do what you like. And I love what I do. Uh, and I love having an opportunity to make an impact on kids and youth today. I mean, some people are just simply cut out for that deal. And and uh, it took me, you know, I turned 50 this summer. It took me 50 years uh, to figure out where I think I truly fit. Uh, but I hope that the young kids that I work with today and, and the families that I have a, a chance to work with understand that I do it for them and not for myself. Uh, do I, I'm a competitor. Do I want to win? Absolutely. Uh, but I'd much rather see a kid win and have an opportunity to do something they've never did before in their life uh, than I would anything for myself. Yeah. So, well, that but, might, uh, that might be the advice that you want to give, but I always like to leave kind of the end of the episode for my guests to give any advice to uh, a young person, my age or younger, or a little mm -hmm. bit older, uh, coming mm -hmm. up in the industry. If you have any yeah. advice. Work, work hard. Yeah, uh, I promise you there are a lot of people out there that know what they're doing. Uh, but work ethic and uh, responsibility um, and the ability to be trustworthy, uh, those are things that will take you so far in life. I, uh, you know, I, and, and then the kids that I've had a chance to work with, there's a lot of kids that think they understand a work ethic, um, and, they, and they don't. I mean, a work ethic, uh, and I tell these kids, build, build your resume. Um, and, and be, um, be able to multitask because anybody can have a good GPA, but those that have a good GPA and they were involved in every activity in school and had a 4.0, those kids are a lot more marketable. So yeah. make yourself marketable, have a work ethic, uh, and do whatever, um, you can to make yourself better. Uh, and again, and I'm full of quotes, man, but it's not, it's not what you know, but who you know. Um, make those contacts, get involved with the right people. Uh, I am where I am today, not because of what I know, but because I've had contacts, people that I've knew that have helped me get along this direction, that have helped me get to where I am today.
so very, very thankful that, uh, and again, that goes back to my grandfather and, and, uh, he, he introduced me to a lot of people in this industry and, and Barbara Wood, uh, was the superintendent at the Tulsa state fair when I judged the Tulsa Barrett show. Uh, and he knew her like, uh, like an old acquaintance and he kept telling her and telling her and telling her when he'd go down there and show open hogs, I've got a grandson that needs a judge's Barrett show. And she hired me when I was 23 years old. Um, you know, things like uh, <clears throat> having the right people in your corner to uh, to push and promote you. And, and I'll never forget uh, growing up and, and coaching those collegiate judging teams. A uh, gentleman in Texas at Clarendon College by the name of Jerry Hawkins. Um, I didn't judge for Jerry. He didn't have to do anything for me. I was a young buck growing up, but he saw the potential that I had. And at Houston one year, uh, we got done. The kids got on the floor and, and Jerry Hawkins came over to me. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to find a cup of coffee and then probably kind of walk around. He goes, come on, let's go. And he took me to that hog barn and he introduced me to every barrel jock in that barn. And not that he had to, because he didn't know me from Adam. I didn't come judge for him. He didn't know anything to me. But he saw the light that I had and the potential that I had and knew that I had a passion for the hog industry. And he introduced me to everybody that was somebody in that hog barn. And they didn't have to acknowledge who I was, but because they knew Jerry Hawkins, they listened. And the next thing I knew, I was judging Barrett Show after Barrett Show after Barrett Show in Texas. And I had an opportunity to judge the San Antonio Barrett Show four times. And uh, I don't know many people that have had a chance to do San Antonio four times, but I don't take that lightly. I enjoyed it, and I feel like every time I stepped into that deal, uh, I did it the right way. And I hope I get a chance to do it the fifth time because, uh, you know, it's one of those deals you mentioned earlier. I've judged in 33 states. My goal is to judge in all 50. Yeah. Uh, so I got a long ways to go, and I got a short time to get there, but I hope I get them all crossed off and, and checked off and get a chance to do them all. So if you know somebody in Alaska and Hawaii, that can get me to do their state fair. I'd look at that as a great vacation opportunity. Too. I might, I might have some info in Alaska, but we'll, we might need to talk about it off the off the record yeah, here. There we go. We can take. <laughs> but care I, of that. I forgot one fact that you sent to me. But you just said, uh, uh, you said when you first started judging, you went twenty five days straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to say no, and I still don't know how to say <laughs> no. But I did twenty five days in a row where I judged the county fair. Now, it wasn't all hog shows. It was cattle. It was sheep. It was pigs. But 25 days in a row that I did a county fair, whether it was in Kansas or Missouri. But, yeah, I just, if there was an open date on my calendar, I was there. Because, I, you know, at that time when I was when I was coaching on a junior college level, what better place to be recruiting than out judging the county fair? Very true. Because you got to see the very best kids that, uh, that agriculture had to offer. And I... That's where I did my recruiting, uh, getting out and getting amongst them and getting to know those kids. Yeah. So, yep. Well, I've got one more question for you. Um, okay. Uh, you worked at American Royal. You've, you, mm -hmm. We kind of uh, – we didn't brush on this, but I wanted to talk about uh, drug testing a little bit. Mm-hmm. What's the answer? Because Is it zero tolerance or should there be a little bit of leeway from – I want to just get your opinion – uh, because you, as you know, we have this show down here, Arizona, that's, um, kind of gotten some flack. I don't want to mm -hmm. talk bad about it. It's a great show, mm -hmm. but it's kind of got some flack about the zero tolerance deal. Yep. Uh, what's your opinion on it? it? Zero tolerance is not the the way to go. Um, 
zero tolerance on a drug that's approved within that particular species. Um, if it's approved and I test at a very low level, chances are it was done at a long time ago. Yeah. Um, and everything's legal. I mean, if the, if the USDA and FDA say, okay, um, this level will accept it. If they'll accept it at 0.15 level, then it needs to be accepted. Um, I, I have trouble uh, and I struggle with zero tolerance uh, because so many times um, and, and we get bad raps the way it is because we don't take care of animals and whatever it might be. We're doing it for a reason. They're giving them a shot of Batro, Banamine, Dex, Linko, whatever it might be, because that's the best drug that's approved for that animal for whatever's wrong. Mm -hmm. And if there is a very small residue left in that animal, so be it. It's at a low enough level that the USDA and the FDA accept it. But why do we have to be greater than the USDA and say, okay, well, because we're a state fair and an entity that wants to um, pursue zero tolerance, um, what makes us more powerful than the USDA? If the USDA says that 0.15 is a tolerable level, then 0.15 should be a tolerable level. Uh, I, I'm not an advocate of zero tolerance, and, and I struggled with that uh, a little bit uh, at the American Royal, but thank goodness we had enough people within our industry and within our board that were involved in the industry that knew that zero tolerance probably wasn't the right way for us to go. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a tough deal. Now, do I zero tolerance for drugs that are not approved of within course. that species. Uh, I got, I got, I got no empathy yep. uh, for somebody that wants to use. Um, and I'll just, I'll just throw a few things out. But if you think, um, uh, probably better not, but if you think some of those, <laughs> I mean, clenbuterol and some of that stuff, yeah. if you think there's a place for that, you're totally wrong. Um, and some of these other drugs that we think, or that some people think are acceptable to use within our industry, um, get real. I mean, let, let's keep it right. Uh, let's do things the right way because that's the way this industry has gotten to where it is today is by doing things the right way. Keep it clean um, and, and then everything will have an opportunity. But do I believe that zero tolerance is the way to go? Zero tolerance for drugs that are approved within the industry, um, I don't think is the right way. Zero tolerance for drugs that are not approved, absolutely. So I think yeah. it depends on the drug. Uh, and how you pursue it, um, I absolutely believe that zero tolerance for drugs that are not approved within a species is the right way to go. Zero tolerance for a drug, though, that is approved for use in that species. Um, let, let's get real. So well, that goes back to that 1% that we've been talking yep. about. Yep, I mean, you're right. It, it's going to be those people that are going to be doing that stuff, and and the rest of us can't be punished just because of that 1%. But yeah. It will, it will continue to happen. <laughs> yep, you're right. You're well, right. Uh, Brian, that's all I had for you. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you taking time. It took a little bit for you to find some service in yeah, uh, it's all good. Caney, Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but, all good. And I apologize for being tough to get a date nailed down, but I'm no, glad you're we are good. Did. You're good. So if I can ever do anything else for you, can let me know. I appreciate you, and I will talk to you soon. All right, brother. Take care. You too. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. Easily one of the most genuine and passionate people in our industry. Uh, if you guys didn't hear all those quotes, you need to re-listen because they hold some merit. And I think the 
The one that really stuck out to me that I hadn't heard before was the know your role, know your goal. Uh, and I think that can that can pertain to anybody. I mean, if you're if you're a kid showing, if you're a parent, uh, grandparent, family member, sibling, anything. For the, the pig can do that. The pig has to know its role and its goal to win, right? Yeah. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, share it on Facebook. Leave a comment. Share and like leave a nice comment. I would really appreciate that. And then uh, uh, follow at the show pod on Instagram. And that's all I got for you guys this week. Uh, tune in next week on Thursday for another great interview. No spoilers, but another fantastic interview. And I will talk to you guys then. I love you. Goodbye.